as you may notice, um, right now, I'm standing behind a keyboard, and that's, that's no mistake, right? I, I, um, we're going to do something a little bit different this morning, do a little preach and play, and you're going to find out that uh, your pastor, without a shadow of a doubt, has the gift of preaching, right? <laughs> but um, a couple songs I thought would go along with, um, with where we're going to in the Word today as we talk about the Prince of Peace, and so I'm going to play a couple tunes. And uh, you can feel free to join in with me if you know the words. And this first one, we're just going to sing a few lines from this Christmas carol, Hark the Herald Angels. Hark the herald angels sing glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sin. Stop right there, stop right there. All right, now. So the angel comes to the shepherds and says, peace on earth, right? And, and offers that this king, this Messiah is coming to bring peace on this earth. But as we look fast forward 2,000 years later, and we look around our world today, it seems like there's anything but peace on earth. As you read the news and you see what's going on with the, 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 the Trump presidency and you go to the Middle East with the ISIS and Syria and Israel and Russia and, and, and it seems like there's anything but peace on earth. Wars and, and murders senselessly. And, and then we all remember a, a month ago today when God shook his little finger in Alaska and we experienced the brokenness and chaos of Minnesota Drive and many other places in Alaska as we walk through this earthquake, just last week, 400 people, over 400 people in the Philippines dying, um, or excuse me, Indonesia, uh, because of a tsunami. And, and this weekend, uh, another uh, earthquake and tsunami uh, hitting the Philippines. Then we zoom into our own neighborhoods, and we see this enormous lack of peace. We see the way, especially at the holiday season, that we can treat each other with anger and hostility, screaming at one another with the top of our lungs. Paul warned us of this in Galatians when he said, but if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. This word literally meant to consume or to eat. He says the way you treat each other, you're eating each other up. The violence and hostility that can come out flesh on flesh. And then, of course, in our own hearts, you might feel like this little guy after Christmas. And, and you may be experiencing in the holiday season anything but peace on earth. Anything but comfort and joy. Anything but a silent night. And what we need, what we need is, is someone to come in to our space to bring order into our chaos, to bring wholeness into our brokenness, to bring peace into our violence. And I love this, this song uh, by Chris Rice. It's called Welcome to Our World. And it invites Jesus into the midst of this, uh, that we needed this baby to come and, and to make wrong, uh, right our wrongs. And there's just a couple verses that I, I want to sing with you um, for you in, in from this that I think really touches on the cry that our hearts need toward Jesus in the midst of this broken world that, that we live in. It goes like this. Tears are falling, hearts are breaking. How we need to hear from God. You've been promised, we've been waiting. Welcome, holy child. Welcome, holy child. And the verse that speaks to this peace that we need. So bring your peace into our violence. Bid our hungry souls be now breaking heaven's silence welcome to our world 
this Jesus to come, to bring his peace into our violence, to bring his order into, into chaos. And this is what we've been talking about this, this month, about this unwrapping the names of Jesus that you see up here on the board from Isaiah chapter 9. And we saw, um, we saw just uh, at the beginning, week number one, that we saw that Jesus, as the wonderful counselor, is the only source of true awe and wonder in a world that disappoints. He's the only one who's worthy of our attention and our worship. And then we saw that he's our wonderful counselor, that Jesus is the only true source of wisdom in a world of lies and foolishness. He's the only one that can show us how to live a way that pleases God. Then we saw that he's not only does he show us how to live, but the mighty God gives us the power to enable us to live the kind of life that he counsels us to live in. And then last week we saw that he's the everlasting father, that Jesus is the only source of eternal life. Not only does he have the power to show us how to live, but he sustains us with his own life and a source of provision that will never run out. So just like he fed the 5,000 with the bread, Jesus offers us this life that we need and enough, more than enough for today, tomorrow, and for eternity. And this week, as we wrap up this series, we're going to see that he is the Prince of Peace. And we're going to see that the purpose of this wonder, this wonderful counselor, this, this wise, this powerful Messiah, this everlasting life, was to bring us peace. Peace to this world, peace with God, peace with others, and peace with ourselves. That Jesus is the only true source of wholeness. That God has given us an answer to the sin in our lives, to the chaos in our world, and to the brokenness of our hearts. Now, this word, Prince of Peace, that we're looking at, this phrase, the prince, uh, the word prince is from the Hebrew ser. And this word ser, it can mean a king or a prince, as it's translated here. It can also mean a ruler, a leader, a captain, or, or a chief. Now, what do you see is, the, is the, the kind of the common denominator there. It's a head person of any class or rank. So it's the chief, or as we'd say in Mexico, is the jefe, right? La cabeza. Right, is that, is I, did I nail that? The Spanish-speaking crew there, right? Muy bien? All right, thanks. Thumbs up from, all right, here we go. So, um, like, I used to coach a basketball team. I was the jefe, the head coach of that group of crazy, you're talking about chaos, right? Uh, needing to bring order to chaos, this, this group of hormonally charged teeno, teenagers needed a head, right? And here am I, Lord, send me. And then I quit because they were crazy. Uh, we also need a captain of a ship, right? We need someone who's going to steer this thing. Now, as you know, we get one head. We have one leader, if you have, try to have multiple leaders, it's chaos. And so Jesus would come to be the king, the ruler of the world, the one in charge. But what kind of a leader would he be? The prince of what? Well, the second word in this phrase is the prince of peace. It comes from the Hebrew word shalom. Shalom, now in, in this word translated peace, it could be a greeting and a leave-taking, kind of like, you know, uh, the Hawaiian word aloha. It could be hello or goodbye. Shalom could be a hello or a goodbye. And when we often, we think of this word peace, what we often think about is the absence of conflict. So last night, I was invited to a friend's house, watched some UFC, a little too violent, thinking about peace into violence, a little too, little too much for my taste, but what we'd see is these refs at times, when, when things got a little too chaotic, the ref would come in and separate them, back to your corners, men. I know this is boxing, not MMA. Um, and, and what would he do here? He would separate them. Now, we often think of, of peace as just absence of conflict. That if two countries are warring with each other and then they stop shooting at each other, that there's peace. Or maybe you're screaming at a family member and then when you go to your separate rooms and you're not screaming at each other anymore, that you're at peace now. But that's not the biblical idea of peace. There's something much deeper than just the absence of fighting or conflict. In the Hebrew mind, there was a word picture they had. You picture a, a wall that's broken. 
And, and you see the, the bricks as they lay all over the ground. There's chaos. There's disorder. There's brokenness. And when this wall would get restored, when the pieces, the brick was all back in place, when the wall was whole again, when, when the chaos had been ordered, when things were whole as they should be, they would say there's shalom, there's peace, there's wholeness. So you think if I, if I walked up to somebody, if I walked over to Jeff and I, I stole his iPhone, actually you have an Android, you weirdo, um, and I steal his phone, he shouldn't even be having this thing anyway. Um, now there's, there's, there's discord here, there's brokenness. I stole something from Jeff. There's something between us, there's brokenness in the relationship. But if I come back to Jeff, and I say, hey, man, I'm really sorry for stealing your dumb Android. And, and, and I give it back to him. And, and I, I apologize. And he forgives me. And we embrace. And we go skipping through the snow together. What was we, Shalom, right? There's, there's restoration. There's wholeness to what was broken. This is the, the concept. This is more than just an absence of conflict. It means wholeness or completeness. To bring things back to the way they're supposed to be. And this is the peace that God wants to bring to us. So what kind of a Messiah, what kind of a prince, a ruler would this be? It'd be one who would come to lead us to peace, to find victory over the chaos and brokenness in our world. And don't we need that in our lives today? We need peace with our God. We need peace with other people in our lives. And we need peace within ourselves. Those are the three things we're going to look that this Prince of Peace brings us. First of all, peace with God. Our pride, our flesh, our sinful nature wants to make ourselves the center of the universe. I want it to be Justin-centric. I want to scream from the rooftops. The old Toby Keith song. I want to talk about me. I want to talk about I. I want to talk. Oh, I should go back to the piano. I should play that. Um, no, you guys don't know early 2000s country music? All right, cool. Um, so so we, we want to make this world about us. And so here's what we do. Even from, as we speak from the Bible, even you'll hear preachers talking, a lot of times we'll, we'll speak from a, a felt needs standpoint, where it's just simply like God is kind of like one of those infomercials. Like if you, if you call now, we will give you your Jesus sprinkles, right? And just kind of make your life sweeter. What do you, and, if you, and if you order now, we'll, we'll throw in these Jesus band-aids, right? And we just kind of give you what you need to make your life better and God. God is kind of reduced to this vending machine to hook you up with what you want. But listen, the universe is not Justin, it's not egocentric, it's God-centric. And our greatest problem is not our own felt needs, it goes deeper than that. Our problem, our greatest problem is our broken relationship with God. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. Once you were dead, the word death means separated. You were separated from God. Broken relationship with God because of your disobedience to God, because of your sins against God. Verse 2, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, not obeying God. The commander of the powers in the unseen world. He's the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God, to worship God, to serve God. Verse 3, all of us, all of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. So our deepest problem in this lack of peace is not felt needs. It is the anger and wrath of a holy God against us as sinners. It's the broken relationship. If we are disconnected from our life source of God, there will be no peace in our own lives, no peace in our relationship with other people. This is the foundational problem and therefore the foundational need in our lives. But the good news is there's a way back. There's a way back. And it's made possible through this Prince of Peace. Romans 5 says this, Therefore, since we've been made right in God's sight, we can be restored wholeness by how? By faith. And we have peace, wholeness, order to the chaos with God. How? Because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. 
There's a way back. Peace with God. And what we said last week, just as Jesus broke the bread to give, to feed 5,000 people, we said that on the cross, his body was broken so that this world could be made whole. And it's this beautiful picture. I love the prophecy in Isaiah 53. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be made whole. That's the word shalom, whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. Or the way NIV translates is the punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we were healed. This beautiful concept. If you want to be made whole again, it comes through the brokenness of our Savior. And through him, we have peace with God. And because of this foundational peace that we can have with God, we can have, pe- we can, um, have peace with others. But I wanted to sing, if you know this, uh, before the throne of God above, that speaks about this relationship that we have with God, the way that we can have wholeness because of what Jesus did for us. Let's find my... There we go. All right. You ready? I can tell if Ian likes my piano playing or not by how loud it is. So I'm going to see if I can get better, get louder. Before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea, a great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me. Why? Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me, to look on him and pardon me. Because of this peace we have with God through that lamb who died for us, we can have peace with others. We can have peace with others. Now, I really appreciated some of you in your honesty in face, on Facebook um, that we know that many times the, the family pictures we present look like this, right? Everybody's happy, having a great time, and they just stood there, sat still, and smiled for the whole hour, right? No, we know that for an hour, to get to this picture took 59 minutes of this, right? Now, you know, that's, that's reality, right? That, that is reality. And in our relationships with each other, there's chaos, right? There's brokenness. And the ways that we harm each other, hurt each other, but the Prince of Peace, he came. He came to call us into something different. And I love um, this verse in an O Holy Night. Um, we, we often know the first verse, but the second verse here is so beautiful. And what the Prince of Peace has called us into, this new life that he's given us, the kind of community that we've been called into, um, is one that is marked with, with these kind of things. So... Sing it with me. Truly taught us to love one another. His law is love, and his gospel is peace. Chain shall he break, for the slave is our brother, and in his name. All oppression shall cease. A thr- no, okay, we'll stop there. Um, we, uh, we, he calls us into this community of love and peace. And he says, we are not called to oppress one another. We're not called to enslave one another. 
to lay our lives down for others in the same way that he laid his life down for us. The Apostle Paul in Colossians, he talks about this kind of a relationship. And as I read these verses, I want us to do some heart work here um, to say, man, where am I at with these things and the way that I treat other people in my life? He says, since God chose you to be holy people, people who are made whole through the blood of the Lamb, through the brokenness of our Savior, he loves, you must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy. That's compassion. You have compassion toward those around you. But kindness, and that word kindness, the concept was kind, being kind toward those who are not being kind to you. How about humility? Are you putting other people, the needs of others, in front of your own? Gentleness. Where, where in my life do I need to be slow to anger? When I, slow to, to, to be harsh with somebody in word or in action. And then patience. Right, parents? Right? Patience. Verse 13. Make allowance for each other's faults. People are going to be at fault with you. They're not going to be perfect. And forgive anyone who offends you. People will offend you. Who has offended you that you're not forgiving today? It says, remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. There's nothing that anyone's done toward you that's worse than what we've done toward Jesus. And he forgave us. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony and unity. So ask yourself, man, who do I need to show forgiveness to that I am harboring bitterness toward? Who do I need to be gentle with that I've been harsh with? Who do I need to let it go? Who do I need to slow my anger with who I've been very impatient with? And, and you might go, well, I can't do those things. I continue to fall short. And that's exactly the point. That's exactly why the gospel, look at verse 15. It does not say, let the peace that comes from Justin rule in your hearts. It says, man, let the peace that comes from Christ, this prince of peace, this ruler, is Jesus now. And the new life that I have, he's the jefe, he's the captain, he's the boss. And if I'm trying to steer my ship, it crashes on the rocks of brokenness and destruction and hatred and apathy. But if Jesus is ruling my heart, it can be one marked with peace and love. Let the peace of Christ rule in you. The one who forgave those who were in the process as they were crucifying him. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That's the King Jesus that now dwells in me that can forgive others in the same way. Not in my power, but in his. And his new heart beats in mine. The same Jesus that came to this world to serve and not be served beats in my heart to serve and to love and to forgive other people. Are you finding peace with others? It's only going to happen through abiding in the Prince of Peace. Then the last one is that we find peace with ourselves. Are, are you experiencing inner peace? And I'm not talking about some weird, like, zen, like, hmm, type of a thing. I'm talking about freedom from anxiety and worry and depression. One of my favorite hymns that kind of deals with this issue, and it's interesting where this thing lands. Um, remember, what a friend we have in Jesus. Okay, again, we'll do this together. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to often forfeit and oh what needless pain we bear why? all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer now you see the link there 
It says there's, there's peace that we forfeit. There's a load that we're bearing that we don't have to bear. Why? It says all because we don't carry this to God in prayer. This is the biblical concept where they're getting this. They're not just making this up. Look at Ephesians, or excuse me, Philippians chapter 4. Don't worry about anything. Anxiety is a sin. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he's done. It says if you're worrying, you're not praying. And if you're praying, you're not worrying. Now, that doesn't mean there's not going to be fear in your lives, but a heart that is anxious is one that is not praying to God. And then, and look, here's the promise word. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. The promise is his peace. If you pray instead of worry, you're going to experience his peace that will guard you. But there's a condition here. If, if, if you pray and not worry, then you'll experience this kind of peace in your life. So if this is true, if this is true, that we pray and we receive this peace, why aren't we always praying? Why aren't we always praying? Well, what is prayer? I like the way John Bloom from Desiring God defines prayer. He says, it's asking God for what we need and then trusting that he will answer and provide what we need. It's asking and then trusting for him to answer. It's casting our anxieties, that worry, on him. We have them. We're not pretending that we don't have anxieties, but it's casting them on him and prayerful dependence because why because he cares for us prayer is the native language of faith if we believe and trust in our god then we will be people of prayer the reason i don't pray at the bottom line is because i don't trust him i don't believe in him if i tell you jump into my arms and i'll catch you the only way you're going to actually jump into my arms is if you believe if you trust that i'll catch you if you don't believe that you ain't jumping so why is it that we find faith so difficult and prayer such a labor? Well, Hudson Taylor, um, missionary of the 19th century, a uh, great missionary to China, he was struggling with the same thing. So if you're struggling with trusting God today, you're in good, you're in good company. <laughs> Hudson Taylor struggled with this as well. And this, is, this was his journey. He, he describes this in his journal. He says, I strove for faith. I wanted to believe God. I wanted to trust God but it wouldn't come. I couldn't do it. I tried to exercise it, but in vain. Unbelief was, I felt the damning sin of the world, yet I indulged in it. I continued to not believe and trust. I prayed for faith, but it came not. What was I to do? So he's in this place that I want to believe more, but the harder he tried to trust God, the more he found himself falling on his face. If you've been there, maybe you're there today. And as God often does, he brought somebody into his life to speak words of truth, another missionary named John McCarthy. And he wrote in this letter, and this is, this is Hudson's response to, to John's words to Hudson. He said, but how to get faith strengthened? How do I strengthen my faith? This was his answer. Not by striving after faith, but by resting on the faithful one. Do you see the difference? Do you see the difference? He said, as I read it, I saw it all. If we're faithless, he remains faithful. Even if I have no faith, that's 2 Timothy 2. I looked to Jesus and saw, and when I saw, oh, how joy flowed, that he had said, I will never leave thee. Ah, there is rest, I thought. I've striven in vain to rest in him. I'll strive no more. Do you see the key here? For Hudson Taylor, it was not, he stopped focusing on trying to have more faith, and he looked to Jesus, the Prince of Peace, the faithful one. See, oftentimes we think of this kind of like we have to go to the faith gym and pump more faith iron to get bigger faith muscles, right? I got 40 faith muscles and I need 50, right? I'll just pump some more faith iron and we try to get stronger faith. But the reality is faith is our response to something or someone that we perceive as trustworthy. 
Everybody has faith. The question is, what's the object of my faith? So it's not how much faith do I have, but what is my faith in? See, if I say jump into my arms, you're 10 feet up. And I say jump into my arms. The issue isn't if you believe enough. You can muster up a lot of faith that I'll catch you, or you can be totally freaked out that I won't. But the bottom line is not how much faith you have, but it's me, right? Will I catch you or not? So you don't put your eyes on your own faith. You put your eyes on me. And as you see my bulging biceps, you're going to go, man, this is all good, right? And you just jump into my arms and I'll catch you, right? Because of how strong your pastor is, right? I I got you. And and this little guy, this little girl here, she could have all her faith in her brother. But, (laughs) But if he's not strong enough, they're going down. All right, we'll take that off the screen. Um... If you're lacking peace today, listen, you don't need more faith. You need to take your eyes off yourself. What do we sing in the ocean song? Take your eyes off your circumstances. Put them onto the Prince of Peace. Read the Gospels. See this Jesus who is faithful, who is compassionate, who died on the cross, was beaten to a bloody pulp for you, who rose from the grave and, and lives forevermore. And the more we look at him, and not at ourselves, and not at our faith, the more that we'll worship him, the more that we will prayerfully depend on him, and the more peace that we will experience in our lives. When, when Hudson refocused this from looking at his faith to his faithful one, not that he had a perfect life from there, of course not, but his life became more and more marked by the peace of Christ and less by anxiety and depression. And that's available to us today as well. Not because you got to have the same amount of faith as Hudson Taylor, but because you have, I have, the same Prince of Peace available to us that Hudson had available to him. There's a day coming. There's a day coming when the Prince of Peace will rule. You realize that? This is, this is true. That we've been reading these, these verses from Isaiah 9, 6 about who this Messiah is and what he would be. But the verse right after it talks about this reign. It says, his government... His ruling, this prince's rule, and its peace, this wholeness, it will never end. Do you hear that? He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for how long? For all eternity. When this prince takes his throne, he's never getting back off of it. He will rule forever and ever. And what will this day look like? Two chapters later, these beautiful words from Isaiah prophesize what the rule of this Prince of Peace will look like. And I want to read these to you. It says, Out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot, yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root. Another nod to this Messiah that was coming. It says, He will give justice to the poor and make fair decisions for the exploited. No longer will people live in poverty. No longer will people be sex trafficked. It says in verse 5, or verse 6, In that day, the wolf and the lamb will live together. They will not be violent toward each other like they would be right now if you put them in the same cage. The leopard will lie down with the baby goat. The calf and the yearling will be safe with the lion. And a little child will lead them all. Isn't that beautiful? The cow will graze near the bear. The cub and the calf will lie down together. The lion will eat hay like a cow. The baby will play safely near the hole of a cobra. Yes, a little child will put its hand into a nest of deadly snakes without harm. Praise Jesus. I hate snakes. Nothing will hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. Why? For as the waters fill the sea, so the earth will be filled with people who know the Lord. In that day, the heir to David's throne, this Messiah that we've been worshiping and talking about all month long, will be a banner of salvation to all the world. The nations will rally to him, and the land where he lives will be a glorious place. This is what's coming. 
Hosea 2 says, I'll remove all weapons of war from the land, all swords and bows, so you can live unafraid, no anxiety, no worry, in peace and safety. Can you imagine a world where there's no more war, where there's no more hatred, where there's no more pride? Can you, can you even imagine for a second what it will be like to not have a selfish thought or a selfish action? No, no more anxiety. No, no more depression. No more greed. We're not going to be cheating on each other anymore. We're not going to be gossiping and slandering toward one another. There'll be this perfect peace with God, perfect peace with each other in community, and perfect peace within ourselves. Now, it may not be like that yet, but there's a day coming when it will be, for the Bible tells me so. And we can help usher in that peace today. Listen, today, as we look to Jesus, the Prince of Peace, And we start living like him. Actually, he lives through us. And what did he do? How did he accomplish peace when he came the first time? Not by taking out lives, but by laying down his own. And we can start to usher in this kingdom of peace today. Not by exerting power over other people, by laying our own lives down for the sake of those that he loves. So who is the captain, the jefe of your life? Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts if you want to experience this kind of peace. I want to sing this last song. We can put this up on there. Um, this beautiful song by a guy named Josh Garrels in it. He sings it way better than I will, but um, it's talking about this, this day that's coming. And right now, for some of you, this may seem like a distant world. This may seem like an impossibility. But he sings of this piece, and a lot of the words echo what we just read in Isaiah 11. And it talks about this day that is coming. And so I ask you to take your eyes off yourself and to put them on this Jesus and as we close here, to think about this, this day that is coming, that we cast our, our anxieties on him because he cares for us, and we look with hope, confident expectation that this is what's coming for us in the whole world. Oh, day of peace that dimly shines Through all our hopes and prayers dreams guide us to justice truth and love delivered from ourselves schemes may swords of hate fall from our hands our hearts from men find release till by God's grace our warring world shall see Christ's promised reign of peace then shall the wolf dwell with the lamb nor shall the As beasts and cattle calmly graze, a little child shall lead them all. Then enemies shall learn to love. All creatures find their true accord. The hope of peace.
shall be fulfilled for all the earth shall know the Lord as a response come to him with all your heart come and lay your burdens down for peace Some of us in this room today that we may have been lulled into thinking that we are at peace with you, that maybe we're not experiencing any direct conflict in our lives, that, that on the surface things seem to be going okay, but God, if your anger and wrath are pointed toward us, we are not at peace. And there's someone in this room today that needs to come with peace, to peace with God, that they would enter in freely to receive through what the Prince of Peace did for them, broken so that they may be whole. Only when we experience that peace with you can we experience any other peace in our lives. And Lord, maybe today there's somebody in this room that needs to make peace with a brother or a sister or a family member or, or a friend or an enemy. Or they need to forgive, they need to, be, need to show patience where they've been impatient, need to show humility where they've showed pride, need to show gentleness where they've shown harshness. But the peace of Christ would rule in our hearts and usher in peace into our communities today. And Lord, anybody here in this room today may feel anything but peace. They may feel that depression and anxiety and worry and fear. Lord, that they would take their eyes off themselves, off the waves, off the faith, and place them on the faithful one, the Prince of Peace. And only as we look to him will we experience the peace that passes all understanding and to be able to say in our hearts, truly, because of Christ, it is well with our souls. It's in his beautiful, peace-giving, ruling name that we pray.